recorded live, Union Inn, Washington, D.C., 1112, 3rd Street, Northeast. We are Steps to Nomagayudet Metro. Nice, brisk walk to Union Station. And a leisurely jaw to the Capitol, Capitol Hill. I am the illustrious Innkeeper Freddy, host extraordinaire. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Guestbook Podcast. Guestbook Podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Hope you all are well out there. You love it. You know it. Yes, you do. That's what we're doing. That's what we are doing. The voice you hear is a lovely Olivia Johnson, who is a back-to-back longer-term guest than we usually get here at the end. She is here in town for a class, I guess you could say, that you're taking. Yeah. Because she is a software engineer for the Treasury Department. That's right. She's from Ogden, Utah. Fun facts. Ogden is 4,300 feet above sea level. So that means when we go for a run around the Capitol, her lungs are a (laughs) okay. That means that when I'm in Ogden, I look down on you, Freddie. <laughs> yes. <laughs> For real. And uh, in a nearby city, in Eden, Utah, there is a hot air balloon festival. Have you gone to that? No. No, I have not. But I've seen Facebook pictures. It's supposed to be good. Okay. So tell me the story about how you met your husband. So my sister got married in 2005 to a guy named Nick. And I couldn't stand the guy (laughs) because he took my best friend away who I did everything with. Oh, how selfish of you. I know. And I was like 14 and he stole my best friend. So couldn't stand him. Two years later, my family had a barbecue with Nick's family and Nick's younger brother, Niels, came. And I got bored playing volleyball. So I started throwing little dirt clods at people's legs and then pretending like I was playing volleyball and not throwing dirt clods. So everyone was wondering, where are these dirt clods coming from? When all of a sudden, I get zinged with a dirt clod. And I look around, and Niels is smiling. So he figured it out. <laughs> so uh, we had a little rapport going. And we talked at the barbecue. Okay. And then we went out to a movie a couple days later. And then we went out to Lagoon, the, the local amusement park. And it was a horrible date. It was terribly hot. And we were terribly immature with nothing to talk about. But, oh, it's really hot. Yeah, it is. Yeah, man, like, it's really hot. (laughs) Had you been on many dates before that? No. First, he was my first date ever. 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 And I just remember after that date going home and, like, going in the backyard and petting my dog and being like, Oh, dating's not as fun as I thought it would be. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I'm feeling all sad. 
<laughs> and then it's a fast forward after this. Like, if this is a movie. Yeah, I didn't see him for pretty much three years. Okay. Did you all keep in contact in between that time? No. Okay. N- not a word to each other. So what happened three years later? I was in college and I was going to class one day and I saw him and I was like, hey, Niels. And we stopped and talked for a while and then it happened again another week and it was like, hey, I can talk to this guy. It's not bad to talk to. And then the story is his brother Nick came over to his house and said, hey, come to the gym with me. And he said, nah, I don't feel like it. And Nick said, if you get ready and come to the gym with me, I'll give you Livy's number. And he was out the door in two minutes. So This man knew what he wanted. I guess so. So then we went on our first second date, our second first date. Mm-hmm. And I, s- I mentioned something about Lagoon and the movie we went to. And his eyes just kind of glazed. And I thought, that's weird. And then later on in the date, same thing. I brought up something that had happened in our date before. He had no response. And then I put two and two together and I said, you have no memory of our first date. He scrubbed you? it from his memory. He forgot me. <laughs> he didn't forget you. He's just like, man, that date was bad. And that woman, she's going to be my future wife. I think it's best if I just purge this from my memory. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe. <laughs> In that three-year period, had you gone on any dates during that time? No. Really? No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) She's a witty one, ladies and gentlemen. So you're going to get some jokes peppered through this podcast, which Uh, is going to be funny. Maybe. So did the fact that you had gone on other dates afterwards serve to inform the second first date that you went on with your husband? Maybe you might have been more patient or tolerant. Um, I think really what happened was, and I had boyfriends before I went on the second first date with him, but it wasn't really about them. It was more about the fact that I had kind of come into myself a little better and was starting to get to that point where you don't care what people think, which is the great thing about getting older. Yes. And which like made me say whatever I wanted. And he liked that and it offered us good conversation and you know it's good when you're sitting in the car on your first date and you're going to be dropped off in the car he turns off the car and you're talking for a while but you've got that nervous first date gas going on like crazy and your stomachs are just making those (laughs) gurgles and they're just like calling out back and forth to each other Oh, wow. So your stomachs <laughs> were in love before you, you all were. That's right. That's right. I love it. So uh, like when you can laugh about that and acknowledge that it's happening, then, you know, you're in a good spot. He's funny. When he has an idea or a feeling, he doesn't always come out and say it. He'll he'll beat around it. But you know exactly what he's talking about. So after two weeks, he, he asked me, so like, what would you say if you were dating someone for like two weeks and they like said I love you. <laughs> What'd you he tell knew him? what he wanted. I said I would say that's way too early to know you love someone. So he canned it for about two weeks. Another two weeks. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> How long till you said you loved him? I said it back. Aww. That's nice. 
And then about two weeks later, it was like, um, so how long do you think before you know, like, that you should get married? <laughs> Already. I was like, long time. <laughs> <laughs> so how long after the first date until he popped the question? Uh, first date was at the end of April, and he proposed midway through September. And it knows what he wants. And you were married at a very young age, correct? Or a relatively young age, considering the age that people get married now. I was a teen bride, yeah. <laughs> How old were you? <laughs> 19. How long after you got married till your first child? Three years. Okay. So you traveled the world. We were poor college students, so no. But we uh, traveled our world. I'll okay. say that. So you have not one, not two, but three children, correct? That's right. And I believe you told me each one is two years apart. Yes. And this is the first time that you've gone enough time to where the next child that you have, should you and your husband decide to have another child, would not be two years apart from the youngest child you currently have. Yes. And you can thank Ann Johnson for that. Yes, Ann Johnson, I'm calling you out. <laughs> Who's Ann Johnson? <laughs> this is Niels, my husband's sister. Okay. It's kind of funny. She separated us on our uh, road trip in May, and we w couldn't be in the same room at night because Anne took the room, so we had the couches. So that was prime time and missed Didn't our window. Happen. Did she do that on purpose? I don't know. <laughs> 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 well, I want to thank you, Ann Johnson, because if that hadn't happened, you'd be pregnant right now, right? And I would not have come because I would be come. really sick. Yes. So, you know, God works in mysterious ways. For sure. Software engineer. How did you get into that? So I always loved computers and my first foray into computers was this old clunky monitor. I thought a monitor, you know, back when you thought a monitor was a computer because it was so huge. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it had the DOS prompt, the Jurassic Park style. The C colon backslash. That's right. Mm -hmm. And you type in the application you want to run, and then it pops up. And uh, we would play video games on that all the time. And then my dad started this sneaky trick where he would say, Hey, wife, I'm going to school where he worked. He's a teacher. And he had a computer lab. And I got to do some lesson plans, so I'm be gone for a while. And he would take a couple kids, so she'd be like, yeah, sure, go ahead. And he would then go into his office at school and play online chess, <laughs> which uh, that was fine with me because I got to play on the computers too. And I still remember sitting in that room. It was right after they all connected to the Internet, and I hadn't had the Internet yet. And uh, Freddie guess what my first internet search was in 1999 as an eight-year-old y2k good guess but no what was it it was pokemon okay that that lines up the timelines about right yep it was pokemon and i typed do you know what pokemon is <laughs> and jeeves answered me back with a photo and a paragraph about pokemon you asked Jeeves. I asked Jeeves. And I just thought that was like magic. That the computer knew what Pokemon was. 
right? <laughs> or Jeeves did. Yeah, good old Jeeves. So you said this was your, I guess, uh, back door to the world, huh? Yeah, I just thought it was the coolest thing that I could circumvent adults to get information because you can't trust adults. And how old were you again at this time? Eight. Okay. And then we got the internet in my house and nine people in the house. Nine? Yes. Wow. Seven kids. Okay. One computer. Yeah. My mission was to take up as much time on that computer as possible, but I fought with eight other people to do so. How did they even figure out? We had a schedule. Like up next to the computer? You can get it for two hours, you can get it for two hours, you can get it for two hours? Like 20 minutes. Because you have school. Yeah, that's true. So what if somebody had a report or something that they needed to do and they needed to research? Well, at that time, you weren't really relied on. I mean, you're right. You weren't expected to do anything on the computer at home Mm -hmm. yet. So it was purely entertainment. Okay. Nobody was doing anything educational on there. (laughs) (laughs) Did you start programming either in your dad's computer lab or when you had that 20 minutes of time once you got the computer at the house? No. I I never coded until I... I didn't even know about this world of coding. I just knew I loved computers until middle school. We were having an orientation before we went into high school. And they did a little spotlight on computer programming and showed off a student's program. And I was like, what? I can make the programs that I use and it's so cool and I part of me didn't think it was possible for me to do that because it just like I had never seen or heard about it yeah uh, but I took the class and it was the fastest hour of the day every day so I knew that it was for me were you able to program or code outside of school Yes, and only because my competitive nature took over when my dad told me one summer that he had attempted a programming class and then had attempted to create a Yahtzee program. And I was like, oh, okay. So I gave it a crack, and a couple weeks later, I was like, hey, Dad, come see this. What programs were you using, or program were you using? So I was coding in Visual Basic using Visual Studio. So it's just like these little Windows forms that pop up. Okay. And this is during high school? Yeah. As well as the Yahtzee program that you did? Yeah, which was the summer of junior year, I think. Right. So did your passion and enthusiasm for coding translate into you being top of the class, star pupil? (laughs) Uh, I would say that my computer teacher Mr. Bowen really liked me because he saw that I liked the stuff that he likes and uh, he created an extra class for me because I had exhausted all the classes once I was a senior all right and once you graduated you went to school or university and majored in computer science I'm guessing correct yeah computer science with an emphasis on software engineering and during that time were there any programs of note that you coded wrote i did an app i didn't fully complete it but got it started and got it working but never released it or anything and it was once again inspired by my dad (laughs) who plays a lot of scrabble and he complains a lot about the letters he gets it's 
not fair. They got all the high scoring letters. It's not fair. So I made a game called Word Fair, where you each would get the same exact tiles in the same exact order. Wow. But isn't there only one Z? There was two Z's in my game. That's <laughs> Scrabble. This is Word Fair. Come on. <laughs> Make your own kind of music. Okay. How'd you land the treasury department? I saw a board at Weber State University where I was going to university mm-hmm. and which graduated me. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody listen to the podcast. Shout to Rich Rosenzweig. Cue the podcast point noise. Yes. I'm just going to say that. Like cue whatever so you have more work to do in editing. You're so funny. <laughs> So there was a job board at the university and I applied for a couple of internships and uh, interviewed with Goldman Sachs first. And that was a nightmare. I bet. They just sat you in a room with a computer and said, do it. (laughs) It was worse. (laughs) If I had had a computer, then I would have felt like I had a connection to something in the room. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. And I think part of that's by design too. They're probably like, you were going to be in a stressful environment and they, we need to make sure yeah. that you can operate. They told me come at nine and it was in Salt Lake, which is about 40 minutes away. So I came at nine planning to come back to Ogden for my normal job at three thirty, And I got a schedule handed to me at nine. Here's your six interviews that are going to happen throughout the course of the day. <laughs> what? <laughs> So, yeah, they grilled me six times over. It wasn't fun at all. <laughs> I can imagine. And I had to call my boss and be like, I thought I was coming in for one interview, but I'm going to be here all day. I'm so sorry I'm going to be late. So your boss knew that you were going on an interview for another job? Luckily, yes. I had been honest with him a while before and said I'm going to start looking at internships because I was working as a dental assistant oh okay so yeah. it was a different field altogether it wasn't like going to a competitor or anything like that right got you i'm assuming the treasury department was one of the internships that you interviewed for yeah so that was the third interview i did and it was over the phone <laughs> good old u.s government <laughs> and there were three people on the call it was a conference call and i think it was really just a formality because they maybe asked me two questions wow this might be the only time in American history where the public sector was more efficient than the private <laughs> sector. <laughs> well, then I had to get background checked. Oh, here we go. Yeah, no, it wasn't too bad. Okay. Actually, you're right. Yeah, they, I had the interview and then I got an email a couple days later and it's, this was like a Friday saying, okay, you start on Monday. And I had to email back and say, I haven't even given my two, two weeks, weeks notice. Yeah. Now they pushed it out two weeks. Because so. you can't start in the middle of a pay period. No. No. God forbid. That would just I know. blow up the entire payroll mainframe. Everything. <laughs> <laughs> There's no one that can write code for that. Oh, Oh, gosh. It. That's <sighs> private sector stuff right there. You. All right. And you've been there for the last six years. That's right. You started the job and then you had your kids or did you already... Yeah, I started the job. I started it in February, and I got pregnant in May, so okay, pretty soon after. Right. And they were really accommodating. That's good. Yeah, I work from home four out of five days a week. Oh, wow. 
That's awesome. It's the life, yeah. Yes, it is. Good thing you have a nice boss. And a good husband, yeah. Yes. Very good husband. Niels. Is taking very good care of the kids right now. Yes, he is. Oh, so what does Niels do? He graduated in uh, electronic media Mm -hmm. and video production. All right. And he's going to help out. Guess what podcast get on YouTube? And sure. get a million subscribers and all that good stuff. <laughs> Whatever you want, Freddie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, so he, he has my dream job. Which would be? My second dream job. What's that? So he is a production utility for live sporting events and gets to sit on the sidelines at NBA games, at college football games, college basketball, Real Salt Lake soccer. Brigham Young? Yeah. And, you know, the the kicker? No pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> no, no pun intended. The kicker is he doesn't even like watching sports. <laughs> wow. Donovan Mitchell said Merry Christmas to him on December 25th. Wow. So you're a big jazz fan? Yeah. Do you get to go accompany him to games? No. As his uh, roadie? No, I've I mean somebody's got to carry the equipment, right? I know. I, I've asked him like, "Can't I just shadow you for a day?" <laughs> but you know, he doesn't like to make waves. He's very accommodating. Yeah, he's gonna do his job. And you know, that's precisely why they probably hired him for it. You want the person who doesn't like this stuff, because he's not gonna get, or she is not gonna get blinded by the bright lights and forget yeah. to do their job. And they're not gonna like shadow the players <laughs> yeah they're not gonna groupie out follow them into the locker room yeah he just wants to get home <laughs> yep all right ready for the seven questions bring it all right what's it called y'all it's the questions it's the questions wait it's the questions it's the questions yeah question number one what is the book that you would add to the library at the end First of all, let me answer your question with a question. Why are your books turned the wrong way? I would say, you know, you should listen to the episode I did with Tamara Vukar, which I believe is episode 23 or 24. Cue the but not I, listening demerit. <laughs> <laughs> but I love explaining it. So, so um, there's the library, which is on the mantle above the fireplace. And I have all of the books with the spines on the inside. Um, If you are putting together a shelf of books or a library, you can control for the height of the books. You can control for the color of the spine. And you can control for whether you see the content of the spine or not. So most people think the most important thing is having people be able to see the information on the outside and then deprioritize the color and the height. What I've done is prioritize the height and the color and put the information of the book, if you will, which is on the spine on the inside. So what that does is it allows for uniform color for the most part. There is one book that has like a gold ends of the pages and another one that has red pages. Uh, And I have a smiley face. So the tallest books are on the outside and the smallest book, the shortest books are on the inside. And what that indirectly does is it promotes interaction with the actual library for people to actually see it. Because if you want to know what the book is, you have to 
put your finger on it and see what the book is. Most people are like, look at it. Oh, that's nice. You have books up there. Oh, I read that. I read that. And they're doing that from across the room. But here, if you pull out a book and you see, oh my gosh, I've read this book. Not only, you're not going to see the spine. You're going to see the cover of the book. And your finger's already on it. So, hey, you might as well take it off. And perhaps you might read a book. All right. You've got some open books down there that want to be touched. Yes, they do. They want to be touched. They want to be loved. They want to be imbibed. Because they got knowledge. They want to share it with the world. And me, in my lazy ways, <laughs> look at it and I'm like, why does Freddie do that to me? Now I have to pull out every I single book to, to tell him single what book. to put on the library. So what do I need to put there? There's heavy stuff in there. Okay. I'm a light person. Okay. Heavy sleeper, light person. Mm-hmm. I would put bossy pants. Bossy pants. I've heard that before. Who wrote that? Tina Fey. Yeah, I did. Yeah, okay. Number two, podcast to subscribe. Uh, I came late to this one. It's really popular in Utah. It's called Cold. All right. What's it, it about? It's about the Susan Powell disappearance. I don't know how national this story was, but I think in 2009, Susan Powell went missing. Her relatives were trying to reach her and her husband, Josh, and nobody was answering. And the next day, Josh comes home from a camping trip and Susan's nowhere to be found. She was supposed to go to work. And there's some very uh, suspicious things about Josh and it's the the whole investigation over the course of really a decade and I I stayed away from the podcast because I hate the story so much but what I didn't know is that all throughout the investigation they found so much uh, journal data so Susan and Josh both kept written journals and audio journals and video journals and I'm talking like Josh would play his voicemail into a recorder, like just stupid everyday voicemails. He would record that and he would put it on his computer and he had tons of computers and he had tons of hard drives. He just recorded everything. So now that everyone kind of in in the situation is dead, these journals and these recordings have been released to this guy who's compiled this whole podcast that delves deep into their marriage and it starts at when they're dating other people and then they find each other and it goes down into the weeds of their marriage and you get to watch this whole thing unravel so a couple things when you're saying they would have audio journals written journals and video journals was this both of them doing that at the same time or was it only josh that was doing it It was more Josh, but Susan's in some of them, too. Okay. And does this serve to make Josh look more guilty, or does it serve to exonerate him? Oh, it makes him look creepy as heck. Yeah. The fact that he was doing that, or the fact of what's on it? I mean, there's nothing incriminating on these. Mm -hmm. He didn't really record himself after she disappeared. Uh, but you just get to see what a weird guy he was. So you get really creeped out 
And then you find out what a weird guy his dad was, because his dad was kind of the same way. They ended up at Josh's dad's house and seized a bunch of their stuff and found child pornography on his dad's computers. So he got put away. All right. It's like everyone's dead. So they have a lot of access to all of the investigative material, which is fascinating. And you get to see how the police work. It's like, oh, my goodness, they were doing stuff the whole time. Because <laughs> as outsiders, you're like, okay, his wife goes missing, and he goes camping in the middle of the night in the winter with two boys and never says he's not going to come into work. And he's got fans blowing on his carpet and on his couch, and he's got, like, this carpet cleaner right there. And he's doing all this cleaning and laundry, which he never did because he's a lazy sucker. You got all this circumstantial evidence that adds up, and as a person, you're like, the cops are idiots. But there was just never any evidence. And they tried so many ways to trap him. Wow. Spent so many man hours searching. So I'm, I take it that this podcast would fit into the true crime category. Yeah. It's fascinating to me that there's enough content of it for it to be a podcast category. <laughs> yeah it's sad it's sad and scary and I think that the audio medium adds to it because you're kind of using your imagination as yeah. opposed to if you were watching a movie and the story is kind of told for you yeah and you're not watching 2020's reenactment of this thing over and over again yeah yeah, you really get to picture in your head. And it's so cool to hear the actual people's voices. And this guy that put it together, I can't remember his name, but he just did an amazing job of somehow concising, if that's a word, all of this data into a very interesting podcast. All right. So cold. Three, something you didn't know you needed until you got it. Married. That's not the first time. Uh, one person said a wife, the other person said a husband. So, yeah. Yeah. You want to elaborate or is it self-explanatory? Uh, I, I really had to be talked into the idea of marriage and it wasn't in my plan at all. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to become a software engineer. <laughs> you can be a software engineer and be married? Now I know that. <laughs> now I know I can make my own kind of music. There you go. <laughs> But you're saying before that, the idea of doing both was foreign. Uh, the idea of just independence. Yeah. And carving out my own life and doing what I wanted. That was intriguing. I, don't, I, I just couldn't see being married to another human being <laughs> and sharing my life with that person so personally. Because I had had boyfriends, but I never reached that level yeah. where I could share myself with them fully. Yeah. And I, I I couldn't see that happening in the near future. Was there a situation during the courting phase that kind of metaphorically speaks to the change in your thought about being married or anything you did in particular that demonstrated that you could be married specifically to him? Yes. And it was that when we had problems when we were dating, I could bring them up 
and he listened and then it changed and I thought oh wow like we're we could be a team we could make each other better this could be more than just I love you it could be we're gonna work towards something and anytime that you're dating somebody and you see that they are capable of change for the better then you go oh okay I think marriage is possible yeah we could build on this yeah that's beautiful I like that a lot number four bucket list place to travel there's a place in the world that you have been to that you would recommend the listeners add to their bucket list okay so from a programming standpoint mm-hmm. I have dealt a lot with what's called 508 accessibility which means making your website accessible to people with disabilities whether it's sight or mobility issues so if all you can do is sit in your car go to the Sun Road in Glacier National Park you're just driving right on the cliff of a mountain and it is so beautiful this is in Utah no it's in Montana why is it called Sun Road? Because you feel like you're just driving up the mountain right into the sun. It You're up so high. Wow. And are there glaciers there? Yeah. There's glaciers in Montana? Yeah. <laughs> it's high. Montana's high. But that means there needs to be water and lots of it. Like When I think about glaciers, I think about Arctic Circle and Antarctic. You're thinking of ocean glaciers. I thought that that was the only kind. Oh, no. Mountains are covered in glaciers. I I thought that this was just snow-capped peaks, not necessarily glaciers. And I don't know what distinguishes glaciers from snow, but it is Glacier National Park in Montana. I mean, you are more right than I am. (laughs) (laughs) It's just new for me. Yeah. This is like when... um, you went to that seminar in eighth grade and the guy programmed like wait <laughs> I mean I know I've been dealing with the internet my whole life but people actually you can program this yeah you can tell it what yeah. to do so I've seen snow capped mountains my whole life but I never thought that those were glaciers and I'm not a frozen liquid expert <laughs> so maybe there is a difference I don't know I mean Okay. But Glacier National Park, Uh lots of mountains. Okay. Lots of ice, snow. But usually, like, you can walk up the glacier, and it's snow. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of glacial lakes that form, and they're so pretty because nobody swims in them because they're so cold. Yeah. So they don't get nasty, and you can just see right to the bottom all these rocks at the bottom. Wow. So it's just the road. You're saying... Driving on this road is what you would suggest people do or going to Glacier National Park and the Sun Road being a part of that journey. Yeah. If you can stay in Glacier, do the hikes, Mm -hmm. do it. But going to the Sun Road, you got to do that first. Can you get to Glacier National Park without taking Sun Road? Yes. Okay. So then take Sun Road, ladies and gentlemen. Number five, 50-mile detour restaurant. So this is a restaurant that you'd be willing to go 50 miles out of your way just to eat at. Picante's. 
Mexican food in Anaheim, California. Okay. Is there a specific dish that screams at you once you get there? I've only eaten there once, which is one of the reasons I would go out of the way to eat there again. Okay. Uh, I, anything. Anything is good. What did you have when you went? I don't remember, but it was good. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Number six, your number one skill is your number one honed craft, something that you've worked at. Oh, gosh, this is so hard. I like to say I'm kind of good at a lot of things and not really good at anything. So you're uh, a Jill of all trades? Yeah, nice, nice catch. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I would say my number one skill is predicting things. All right. Seeing a pattern and then being able to predict what happens next or predicting what someone is going to say. And I don't know if anyone else does this in their head, but like I, I like run through scenarios before they happen. So for example, I was a girls camp leader a year ago and I had a nursing baby. So I had to bring the baby with me and then I would take him home at night and I was coming back with the baby and I pictured myself walking into the camp and everybody saying, oh, the baby's back. And then I would say, yeah, and I brought him too, you know. I was like, oh, that'd be kind of funny. So I get there, I close my car door, I walk into camp, and it's even better than I pictured. There's three ladies sitting there, and they look over and they go, the babe is back. I was like, oh, yeah, and I brought him too. And they just died laughing. And I was like, oh, my gosh. (laughs) You guys just fell right into my little daydream mm-hmm. yeah you know where i bet that comes from programming nope chess <gasps> yeah that's true it's about just seeing two or three moves ahead or at least understanding all the permutations of possible things that could happen yes yes all right number seven number one talent what is that bsing all right and when you say bsing do you mean like procrastination type bsing okay the particular road I've taken with it that's really fun is pranks. I love a good prank. Can I tell you my favorite? Okay, come on, let's go. <laughs> and this is where the talent comes in because anybody can plan a prank, but nobody can um, dynamically put pieces together and form a prank on the fly. Okay. So it was a weird situation where we were going out with friends, and these friends said, hey, uh, my brother, he's getting married and he's coming with his fiance to come hang out with us for a minute. And her name's And I was like, oh, is that accounting? Because there's an accounting firm right next to my house. And my friend said, yeah, yeah, she's the daughter of one of the guys there. And I said, oh, one of the guys there just came over to my house and every year they give us a gift card to restaurants and they say, hey, is it all right if we use your driveway to get to our office? They walk through. So I have a doorbell camera. So I pulled up the camera and I said, oh, is it this guy? And I have a video of him on my door. And my friend says, yeah, that's her dad. And I was like, so I'm about to meet a girl I've never met before and I just happen to have a video of her dad on my porch on my phone. That's really weird. There's got to be something I can do with that. Oh, (laughs) no. So I I hatch the plan. I tell them the plan. She comes in, gets introduced to us, 
and she plays right into it because she asks me where are you from and I say I'm from Ogden and she's like oh I'm from South Ogden and I said oh really we live right on the border of South Ogden right now and we actually are trying to figure out who this guy is that stole a package off our porch so we're just trying to get everybody around the neighborhood to look at this video for us so would you mind <laughs> she's like yeah sure so she starts watching the video and her face just goes so serious and her cheeks start to get red and she kind of freezes and she's just staring at the phone and her fiance who's not in on it because he wasn't there when we hatched it says hey that looks like your dad and she goes yeah kind of does and then she goes back to just the blank stare at the phone and then my friend busts up laughing and she's like i can't take it anymore it is your dad we're totally messing with you and just a flood of relief hits her face. Yeah, it's like a proper episode of Punked right there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I love that moment where you get to create a thousand thoughts into someone's head and see them run across their brain as quickly as possible, trying to make sense of a situation that doesn't make sense at all. Wow. So, Olivia, do you have any... Um, website or social media any contact information you want to share with the listeners I don't okay ladies and gentlemen this has been a rather informative episode of Guestbook Podcast as always if you need to reach me innkeeper at unionindc.com and of course the website as you all know is unionindc.com and on the Instagrams at unionindc at guestbookpod Thank you so much for listening and thank you for coming on the program. Ladies and gentlemen, we will see you next week. Cookies, cookies, cookies. <laughs> Speaking there of cookies. There is such a misconception uh, of cookies and the internet. Cookies are not a bad thing. Cookies cannot see other cookies. But someone can look at cookies and understand your history right no well, only the website that has stored the cookies can see the cookies so they don't see the cookies that are stored on your computer from other websites so they say <laughs> <laughs> i'm pretty sure that's how it works